know Him as Father. If you know God, you know Him as Father. What a good Father He is, not just when we sing about Him, but even when we don't like Him, even when we're mad at Him, even when He doesn't do what we want Him to do. He's a good Father, and He knows what's best for all of us. Amen. All right, I have a couple of scriptures if you want to turn to both of them, or you can just follow along the screen, and all the scriptures are in your notes. Matthew 24, verses 4 through 14, and then also 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 through 12. We'll start with Matthew 24, verse number 4. And it says, Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Christ, and will deceive many. You'll hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, Peter says, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits us. Now, I believe that last line there, on the day that God visits us, means the last days when Jesus returns and takes all Christians to heaven with Him in what we call the rapture. The rapture of the church. Let me just explain it very quickly. The rapture is the beginning of the second coming. I think almost everybody knows that Jesus is coming back to the earth. In the rapture, he doesn't actually touch the earth. In the rapture, he just comes in the clouds, and all the Christians on earth are going to disappear and meet the Lord in the air, and the Bible says we'll be with him forever. We'll meet him in the air, and so shall we be with him forever. So it's the beginning of the second coming. Now, later on, he comes and sets foot on the earth, but that's a different story. I'm talking today just about the rapture. I believe this is talking about the rapture of the church. And the idea in the scripture that I just read is that even though the world hates us and falsely accuses us, many of them will eventually be saved. And they will be saved through our good works, our good deeds, even though they are treating us badly, and our testimony of Jesus Christ. We can't save them ourselves, but we can lead them to Jesus, tell them about Jesus, and they can be saved through our testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. They hate us, but we love them. I believe that we are living in the most exciting time in the history of the world. I believe that we're living in the end times, and I believe that Jesus is coming soon. I believe the rapture of the church is going to happen very soon. Maybe even, possibly even, in our lifetime. 
possibly in our generation. Wouldn't that be so cool? Wouldn't you like to just all of a sudden, one, one minute you're here, and the next second you're in heaven looking at Jesus face to face? Don't you want to be that generation? Don't you hope it happens in our lifetime? Don't you, have, you, don't have, don't, don't you hope that you don't have to die? <laughs> Anybody here rather be raptured than die? I mean, the way you're going to wind up in heaven if you're a Christian, but wouldn't the rapture be cool? It could happen in our lifetime. And if it does, if it happens in our lifetime, in our generation, do you know what that means? That means in the history of the church, we've been chosen as the anchor leg. Anybody ever run in a relay? You know, the first person has the baton and runs and hands it off to the second person. And then there's always the last person. That person's called the anchor leg because that person is usually the most experienced or most dependable. Everybody's relying on that person not to blow it if you have a lead or to catch up if you don't have a lead. That person is important. It's called the anchor leg. And if Jesus chooses to come during our lifetime, we're the last people to have opportunity to win people to Jesus Christ before the tribulation comes. Before the rapture of the church, the anchor leg. I believe these are exciting times. But they won't always be easy times. It won't always be easy. Like for us, it is right now. Wouldn't you have to agree with that as Christians in our country? And I am so thankful for the freedoms that we have in our, in our country. We're celebrating our independence. We're celebrating our freedoms this week on July 4th, Independence Day. The freedoms that we have in this country, the greatest and freest country, I believe, in the history of the world. Isn't it wonderful to be Americans? Aren't we glad for our freedoms and especially for our freedom of religion? Our freedom to worship God the way we believe is the right way to worship God. We can worship God how we please, and hopefully how we please is the right way because there's only one way, and he wrote it down in his word. Aren't you glad that we have the freedom to worship God today, that we don't have any fear of the authorities coming in today through this door and telling us all to disperse and go home, that what we're doing is wrong and not to do it again or you're going to jail. Aren't you glad we don't have to worry about that? Thank God for our freedoms. But if the Lord tarries, that means if he doesn't come pretty soon, hear me, church, things are going to get worse. I am not a prophet of doom, but I can read. And I can study and understand what the Bible says. I love the Word of God. I preach. I believe the Word of God, the Bible, and God's Word says Christians are going to be persecuted and even put to death. In the last days, God's word says that all nations will hate us because of Christ. God's word says that the love of most Christians in these last days, the love of most Christians will grow cold because they couldn't take the persecution, because they were not willing to die for Christ. They just wanted a safe, comfortable life. They just wanted a safe, comfortable home. Well, church, God has promised us all of that, just exactly that. God has promised us a wonderful home, but it's not here. This world is already so full of sorrow and difficulty that if this is all you have, if, if all of your hope is in this world, if this world is all you have, I feel so sorry for you. If for you, this is it. 
Because if you're a Christian, listen, this isn't it. God says, I have a wonderful home for you, a wonderful place prepared for you. But this isn't it. This isn't all that God has promised for us. We're only aliens here. We're strangers here. And that's why the world hates us. Because as far as they know, this world is their home. This is, this is all they have in their home. They love their home. And we're different and we don't fit in because this world is not our home. I just want us to pray and ask God to help us to understand that, what it means today. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. So thankful for your word. Help me to share it clearly today, Lord God. Speak through me, I pray. And help us to learn. Help us, Lord God, to learn more about you and become more like you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I really do believe, fully believe, that the rapture could happen in our lifetime. That Jesus Christ could return today. I've studied the prophecies. I've studied the scriptures. I know there's a timeline of things that have to happen, but I don't believe anything else has to happen. I could be wrong about this, but it's my belief. I don't believe that anything else has to happen before Jesus Christ returns to this world in the rapture. And if that happens during our lifetime, here's what it means for me and for most Americans. We will leave this world never having known any real Spiritual persecution. We could, if, the, if, if he came today, we'd leave this world never having known any real persecution. You know what I say to that? Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Come quickly, Lord Jesus. I don't want to suffer. I thought I'd get an amen. I don't want to suffer. <laughs> well, y'all do. <laughs> I don't. And I do want to see Jesus. In fact, I want to see Jesus more than I don't want to suffer. And so I believe he can come and I want him to come, but we don't know when he's coming. No man knows the day or the hour. Nobody's, nobody's going to know the day or the hour until it happens. And so we can't plan for that. And that brings on a difficulty for us in this blessed country. The difficulty is for us as Christians in America, it's so easy to get comfortable here. So many things that we can have, uh, that we have access to, that we can buy, that we can rely on. It's so easy to get comfortable here. So here's the word of God today. Don't get too comfortable here. Don't get too comfortable in this world. Now, having said that, all comforts are not sin. In fact, I'm not against all comforts at all. There are some comforts. That I love. <laughs> I love some comforts. And I'm going to confess some things to you that comfort me, that, that help me, that give me rest. And I'm just going to confess it to you. Maybe you won't like it, but so? <laughs> Stand before you an open book today. I love TV. <laughs> I love it. I mean, I hate most of what's on it, but I can always find something. And now, especially with the movie channels and things that you have access to, me and Michelle are addicted to a show called Blue Bloods. Yeah. Joseph said it's his favorite too, Blue Bloods. What's not to like about it? I mean, Magnum P.I. is the police commissioner of New York City. I mean, the real Magnum P.I., not that short-headed dude in this other show they've got going on. Great story. And it's so easy, and I, I, 
I, I have to be careful what I watch on TV because it's so relaxing for I put my mind in neutral. And that, that's good for me if I'm careful. I love, I love TV. There are other things I love that give me comfort. I love my king-size waterbed. Michelle and I have had the same bed for over 20 years, well over 20 years. And I love it. It's not good for me when my back's out. <laughs> but, when, but my back's not out all the time. So <laughs> I love my waterbed. It's no surprise to any of you that I love golf. I tell you all the time, it doesn't love me, but that's okay. I love golf. I love the challenge and the accomplishment of running marathons. I don't love to run, but you can't run marathons unless you run. <laughs> and when I run, that means I can pretty much eat whatever I want and as much as I want and still fit in my pants. And so I love the challenge and the accomplishment. I got all those medals, those 10 medals of marathons in my office. I love the accomplishment of running marathons. And because of that, I love ice cream. <laughs> I thought I'd get an amen there. I love, amen? <laughs> It may not be great for you, but I love ice cream. And, of course, I think everybody knows this. I love the Georgia Bulldogs. <laughs> Go, dogs. Sick them. I wish Richard Skinner was. I didn't know Richard Skinner wasn't going to be here today. Richard's an Auburn fan. He'd have loved this. <laughs> it's fun. It's encouraging. enjoyable. And none of these things are sin for me. If they're kept in their proper place, that's all. I know that we're not supposed to love the world or the things that are in the world, but there are things in this world that God gave us to enjoy for relaxation, for rest, and for comfort, and as long as they're in their proper place, it's okay. None of these things keeps me from serving Christ, and it really helps me. Recreation and rest really helps me, and it can help you too. But here's the problem. The big problem for Christians, especially in America, is, I believe, Many Christians want heaven on earth. They want heaven, but they want it here. We want health and wealth. And when do we want it? Y'all seen them cheer to those cheers on TV? We want health and wealth. When do we want it? <laughs> now. Y'all don't get it? <laughs> We want the devil to leave us alone. We want the devil to leave our families alone. We want the devil to leave our babies alone. The coward, we want the devil to leave us alone. And when do we want him to leave us alone? Today, now. We want peace and not war. We want prosperity and not persecution. We want to be loved and not hated. We want things to get better and not worse. We want heaven but we want it here on earth. And that's never going to happen. Not in this earth. In the new heaven and new earth, that's a different story. We'll talk about that another time. But that's never going to happen with this earth. There is no heaven on this earth. Heaven is eternal. This earth is temporary. Heaven has no sin and you do. You can't be in heaven right now. I hope you have less sin in your life than you used to. I hope that you're becoming more like Jesus, that you're growing spiritually and becoming more sanctified, more holy. You can be more holy. You can't be more saved, but you can be more like Jesus. Are you growing? I hope that you are, but you still have sin, and there's no sin in heaven. 
heaven is for winners, and you haven't won yet. You're winning. If you're a Christian, praise God, you're here today. That's, that's great. You're winning, but you haven't won yet, and you're not invulnerable None of us are invulnerable to what the devil tries to do to us. So don't ever forget, as long as you're here, you're not done. As long as you're here, you're not there yet. So God doesn't want us to get too comfortable here because if we did, we'd want to stay. And he's got something that we just can't understand. We have no idea how great heaven is going to be. It has never even entered into the imagination of man what God has in store for us. And so all we know is this and how good we think this could be. And folks, this isn't it. This world is not our home. So what is this world? This world is our mission. We're missionaries here. All Christians have the same mission as Jesus Christ. Do you know what Jesus' mission was? Why he came into the world? It's very clearly stated for us. Jesus said it himself in John chapter 3 and verse number 17. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to what? Save the world through him. Why did Jesus come into the world? To save the world. He came to this world on a mission. He came to save. And he accomplished his part of that mission. And he accomplished his mission through suffering. Anybody want to be like Jesus? <laughs> he accomplished his mission through suffering. You may not have to die to accomplish your part of that mission, but I guarantee you if you're a Christian and you're trying to do what God has called you to do, you will suffer. And Jesus gave us our mission, just like the Father gave him his mission. And Jesus tells us our mission in John chapter 20 and verse number 21, where he says, as the Father sent me, now I'm sending you. What did the Father send the Son into the world to do? Save the world. So what is Jesus now sending the church into the world to do? Save the world. Accomplish what's left of his mission. Jesus came and did everything he could do. He started it. He made it possible for every single person on earth to be saved. No matter who you are, no matter where you're from, no matter what you're like, you can be saved because of the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. He made it possible. And now it's the church's mission to go and tell the whole world about it, to complete the mission of Jesus Christ. So this world is our mission. It's not our home and it's not our enemy. This world that we're living in is not our enemy. This world was never Jesus's enemy. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. He didn't hate the world. Jesus has never been the enemy of the world. The world was never his enemy, but the world was also never his home. There's never been a greater example of a, an alien than Jesus Christ, somebody who came from outside of this world into this world. He was in the world, but he was not of the world. This world really was not his home. But I don't believe that means he hated it here. Do you think Jesus hated his mission here? Do you think he walked around miserable? 
I've seen some really old shows about Jesus, you know, that portray Jesus and he's never smiling. He's always serious. He's got this halo, you know, over his head or something like that. I don't believe that was him at all. I believe that he had a lot of enjoyment in life. How do you know that, Jeff? Because he's God. He never stopped being God. He's eternally God. He didn't start being God at some point. He was forever uh, God, God the Son. And so he's God while he's here on this earth. He's God while he's walking around in human body. Fully God, fully man. And what does the Bible say about God? In his presence there is fullness of joy. And has right-hand pleasures forevermore. So don't tell me he didn't have any joy. He's God. He had, there were things that he enjoyed in this life. He had some great friends. Jesus knew how to make friends. And he had great friends that surrounded him all the time. I believe that Jesus had a favorite food. Anybody here have a favorite food? I believe that Jesus did too. It was probably fish. They had a lot of fish. Maybe it was a certain kind of fish or a certain kind of sauce or something that he liked. But he was human. He had a sense of taste. Jesus had a sense of humor. Jesus had jokes. I like to tell his jokes, but nobody ever laughs when I tell his jokes. We don't get, you know, first century Jewish humor. But he was funny. Jesus had jokes. And Jesus loved his mother. <laughs> and a loving mom, a good mom, can make anything better. And Jesus had a loving mother. He wasn't miserable here. Jesus wasn't miserable here. He just knew that this wasn't it. He knew that this world was not his home and that this world is not getting better, that this world is doomed. And I love this old Jimmy Swaggart song that maybe some of you remember. Heaven sounding sweeter all the time. The earth's going down, but heaven's not. Heaven sounding, the, more, the older I get especially, heaven sounding sweeter all the time. Jesus came here to this earth to take people to his home to rescue them from this earth, to bring them to heaven where he's preparing a place for them and for us. That was his mission, and that's our mission too. Hear me, your mission is to take people to heaven with you. Who is going to heaven because of you? Once you become a Christian, your mission is to take other people to heaven with you. So... Is your mission more important than comfort? Which of those two things is more important to you, your mission or your comfort? See, the vast majority of our efforts seem to be involved with things that are earthly, things that are temporary. Not necessarily things that are all bad. I mean, almost all of us work jobs, and, and many of us you know, work jobs because we have to pay our bills. You know, oh, oh, so off to work I go. And it's not bad. God doesn't want us to be lazy. He says, get out there and work with your hands. And so many of us work jobs. We work on our houses because stuff is always breaking at home. We work in our houses because we want to keep a clean house. We work in our yards because a nice-looking yard is a good witness in your neighborhood. And Christians want to be good witnesses. And so there are things that are temporary that we need to do. We spend time with our families, which here on earth is going to be different than it is in heaven, but we spend time with our families. And the Bible says whoever doesn't take care of his family is worse than an infidel. So we spend time on all of those things. But what I'm asking you today is, how much time do you give to your mission? Taking people to heaven with you. In this last week, how much time did you give to your mission of taking people to heaven with you? I wonder if you had any interaction 
with anybody else in this church this week. The reason I ask that is because we are commanded to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. It's one of the reasons that we have church services. But after Sunday when you left, did you have any interaction with anybody else in this church to help them, to spur them on, to ask them how they're doing? Do they need prayer? Do, you know, is, is anything going well? Can I help you with something? Do you have any interaction with the other members of this church? The difference between our church and the first century church is they spent time together every single day. And we've become so busy after the com- chasing after the comforts of this world that we don't have time for each other. If you'd rather sit at home and watch television than help win the world, well, that is a problem. You understand? What are we more into, the eternal things or the earthly things? Did you interact with anybody in this church this week? Did you have time? Did you think about it? Did you pray for them? I hope you prayed for them. Once you've prayed, though, you can do anything. Until you've prayed, you can do nothing. Once you've prayed, you can do anything. So what did you do after you prayed? I hope you're praying for people in this church. I hope you're praying for me every day. If you're not praying for me every day, you're sinning. Because the Bible tells us to pray for our leaders. And I've asked you as your pastor to pray for me every day. And how hard is it? Just say, God, help Jeff today. Jeff needs help. (laughs) And I've called every one of your names out every day this week. And I'll call out every one of your names this next week. God, help us to pray for each other. But then do other things. Did you witness anybody this week? Did you talk to anybody who was lost and point them to Jesus Christ in any way? Did you have any interaction with somebody who was lost and tried to witness them? Did you invite anybody to church? Because if you invite them to this church, they're going to hear the plan of salvation. They're going to hear that they need to get right with God. They're going to hear that this world is not their home, that God has something so much better, but they got to get right with God. They're going to hear that at church. Did you do that? Did you have time for that? Here's my question for you today. What if we tithed our time like we do our money? We have a lot of good tithers in this church, very, very consistent faithful tithers. What if we tithed our time? Tithe means to give 10%. What if we did that? You have 168 hours every week. Seven days times 24 hours a day. I did the math. 168 hours in a week. Now, you're not awake all of those 168 hours, and you need to spend time on yourself too. So I knocked off something. I knocked off 88 hours giving you like at least eight hours to sleep at night, an average of eight hours. Some sleep a lot more, some maybe a lot less. And then to have just personal time. So I knocked off off 88 hours, which leaves 80 hours a week that you're awake and active. You're awake and active, doing something 80 hours every week. What are you doing? Now, most of us work jobs. Maybe you're at work for 40 or more hours. Well, you can be a witness at work. You can be a witness by how well you're doing your job. That's a witness. You might even be able to talk to people at work. Now, if you can't talk and work, just work. (laughs) That's what they're paying you for. But maybe you have breaks. Maybe you have a a time before or after you start, you you clock in. You, You have time to be, you can be a witness at work, and nobody here works 80 hours a week every single week, and so you have time to be a witness. What if you committed 10% of your time? 10% of that 80 hours a week is 8 hours per week. Okay, that sounds like a lot. And actually, the Bible doesn't command us to tithe our time like we tithe our money. It doesn't command us to do that. It doesn't say it's a bad idea. It just doesn't command us to do that. So I'm not going to stand in front of you and say you have to tithe your time or, you know, you're a sinner. 
But what if we gave half of that? What if it wasn't 10%? What if we gave 5% of those active hours? How much is that? What's half of eight? Four. Four hours a week. Do you have time to minister four hours per week to concentrate on taking people to heaven, to concentrate on what your mission in life is? It's less than 30 minutes a day. Maybe there's something that you could do for 30 minutes a day or less that could help win somebody to Jesus Christ. Can you commit to that? I believe that God can help you minister four hours per week, don't you? Now, the church wants to help. We want to give you things to get plugged into like most big churches have. We don't have those things right now. We're working on something. CJ's getting his feet wet out at Smiley's, and Joseph stayed with him for most of the day yesterday, I think. What hours out there they spend inviting a lot of people to church. And we want everybody to be involved in that once we get a booth because they're just at a table right now, and we're going to set that thing up, and I believe it will be an effective ministry. But that's just one thing. We want to help you. But God will lead you. God will guide you. God's the one who's called you. God will open doors for you to minister if you just look for them. Seek and you will find. Jeff, I don't know how to talk about God. I don't know how to. Maybe there's something that you can do that God can lead you to do that will help you point people to Jesus Christ. Maybe God will give you an idea. Bounce that idea off your small group leader. Bounce that idea off of one of your pastors. God will give you an idea somehow. But we must train ourselves to think of eternal things and not just earthly things. We are too tied to this world. Please hear me. I'm almost done. We are too tied to this world. And this world is not our home. In fact, this world is not anybody's home permanently. This world is doomed. This world's going to be destroyed. This world's not even Satan's home. He's not going to be here forever. And so we've got to get this message out to the world. This isn't it. We've got to get this message outside of the walls of this building. We must be equipped to be witnesses. And the first thing you need to do is accept your assignment. That your assignment is the same as that of Jesus Christ. You must be a witness. You must tell people about Jesus. Be obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Find a ministry or start a ministry. Your work here is not done. So, look for ideas. Pray for ideas. Google Ideas. I did that yesterday, CJ. I went online to see if anybody else is doing ministry at, at, at flea markets. And, and I found several churches that are doing things at flea markets. And I was looking for ideas that, you know, maybe something different. But they're all doing about what we're thinking about doing. And some of them I don't think as well. So, you know, I think we're on the right track. Find something. And here's what the Lord has told me to tell you today. Write this down and let's pray about it. Find something you love and turn it into a ministry. Jesus loved people. <laughs> Jesus was the greatest teacher of all time. He spent his time teaching and going around doing good. What can you do? What do you love to do? It doesn't have to, ministry doesn't have to be miserable. Ministry is not all sacrifice. Now, as you do the ministry, the devil's going to come against you and persecute you. But then God's going to give you power to overcome. And you'll win. And winning is very important. Don't you want to do that? Aren't you willing to do that? Find something you love and turn it into a ministry.
Invite people to church. Invite people to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Let's be involved. Here's what I want everybody to do. Just bow your heads right where you are. And just pray about just that. Right now, God, what can I do? Maybe in addition to what I'm already doing, or maybe what I'm doing is, is exactly what you want me to do. Help me to, help me to, to, to know that this is the mission and to, to continually concentrate on it. Help me, Lord God, to find something in my life. If you're not doing a ministry right now, you can't think of it. If I were to ask you, what is your ministry, and you couldn't answer me, then it's time to find out what that ministry is. Again, you're not called to be a pastor probably. You don't have to go into full-time. You don't have to go to Bible school. But you can do something for the glory of God. You have a talent. You have a gift. You have a, you have a, uh, you have a desire in your heart that is put there by the Holy Spirit. What is God leading you to do to minister to other people? Something that you love, something that you're ready for, God, speak it to us. God, make it plain. You think about it for just your life. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. What do you want me to do, God? More than I'm doing now? The same thing I'm doing now, but maybe better, or something brand new? What is there something? What is it, God? What is it, God? And help me to find somebody to do it with. God always works through teams. God, give me an idea. Holy Spirit, inspire me. In Jesus' name. Something that you love that God wants you to do as a ministry. Lord, I know that you're the God of all great ideas. Every good thought, every uh, perfect thought, just like every perfect gift, comes from you. I pray, Lord God, that you'll help each one of us to be ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Each one of us to have a burning desire for the lost, just like Jesus did, who gave up everything to come here and then sacrificed his own life. Can't we sacrifice a few hours a week, a few, four, five hours a week, Help us, Lord God, to know what to do. And help us, Lord God, to do it consistently and to be fruitful. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. Will you stand with me? Hope everybody has some time off this week and enjoys your time off this week. And I do want us to pray for people that are sick today because I know Pamela's sick and she needs God to touch her. And also Michelle's mother needs prayer today. Uh, she got stung by a whole bunch of bees yesterday. At 80 years old, with all the stuff she's been through, and she's in the emergency room till 4.30 this morning, I think that she could use some prayer. So if you would pray for Pamela and pray for Michelle's mom. Father, we put them in your hands in Jesus' name and believe you to touch them and make them well. We know that you're able, and we thank you, Lord God, for healing today in the name of Jesus. We believe that you're able. Your hand is not too short. Touch and heal. Touch those of us here, Lord God, and we need to touch in our bodies and our spirits and our minds. Thank you, Lord God, for your healing touch and for your inspiration. The inspiration of your Holy Spirit, we give you praise for it in your matchless name. Amen and amen.